Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. I'll start off by saying I'm bored, I'm broke, and I'm back. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie Lucky Logan? I don't know if I've seen that film. So it's actually hysterical. It's a really good about It's break this heist of the Charlotte International Speedway. It had, like uh, Shannon Tatum in it, uh, Adam Driver, Seth MacFarlane. Like it's it's a lot of great people. But one mm. of the uh, people in it is Jack Quaid, who's uh, Dennis Quaid's son. Okay. And uh, when he. Uh, like his character is this guy who like knows computers and knows a lot about them. And when they're asked about okay. computers, one of the things he says, which I think is hysterical, he's like, "I know all the twitters." And it's like sounds like that, like a like a North Carolina redneck. Don't worry about me. I know all the twitters. So when I say I know all the twitters, that's just me quoting that line because it's Jack Quaid like in the corner, like you know, of this lucky. Lo- it's a great movie. It's actually a hysterical movie you'd actually enjoy. But he's like, "I know all the twitters." <laughs> Well, you do know all the Twitters. Uh, we've gone, we've gone legit. We've we're, gone straight we're, legit. We are uh, social media socialites, which is uh, a thing I used to have to say during radio reads when I was doing broadcast stuff. Um, yeah, social media socialites. We uh, we have our Twitter account at Cult of Cult. We have currently eleven followers. Oh. I know, including Rick Doc Walker, who I think follows everyone that follows him. But it was kind of a fun thing. That's, I was driving in the car, and I heard him, and I was like, hey, that, that guy follows us on Twitter. He, he may never respond to us ever, but he follows us no. on Twitter. I don't even know what I would ask Rick Doc Walker if given the opportunity. He is such a homer. It is painful to listen to him talk sometimes. It's funny. I, yeah, I, I love the guy, guy, but it's hard when he's just like, yeah, we're, you know, we haven't won any games ever, and, you know, we're still really good. Don't worry. Next, next game we'll get him. He does some fantastic, uh, like, reads. He's like a good, he's got a good voice for radio commercials. Oh, yeah, great. And you know exactly so. who it is, too. Oh, yeah, I'm like, that's Rick Doc Walker. Yeah, no question. <sighs> well, all that is to say, welcome to the Cult of Cult. You've got Brian Stabby from Hogshaven and... Gumby, we're just doing Gumby. We're just straight Gumby. Like, how mysterious are we trying to be? I don't like. You know, I don't. I don't think we we haven't actually peep behind the curtain. We haven't really discussed this. We because no one uh no one's asked. So until people start asking, I'm just gonna ride the 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 nickname I've had since fifth grade and just enjoy it. Yeah, you're Gumby. Damn it. God damn it, I am. Um. So we're back after I was getting all fired up I, I watched the game in full on tv we actually it was kind of a rainy crappy day around here um 
and so we decided to brew on Sunday, and it was it was a, you know a perfect brew day. The weather was kind of crappy. You could put the football game on television. Um, so I, you know, I, I you know, was I a little bit distracted? Yeah, because you know you got to do measurements, and there are more things that can go wrong than they, than can go right. Um, you can listen to my other brewing podcast. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> But I, you know, over the course of that game, I was like, "Man, this sucks." And then it started to not suck, and then I was, it, you know, it ended how it ended. Washington falls on a last-second field goal. They lose by three. Uh, yet another, yet another one possession loss. What this is the third one of the year. Um, we're not going to go down that road of you know if ands or maybes, but I was really I. For the, really the first time this year, I was like, I think they're going to do it. And then, yeah. of course, I was super wrong um, in, like, a hilarious and entirely predictable fashion. But, you know, it felt like for a minute there that it was going to happen. And then I, they remembered that they're the Washington football team and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, were you feeling similarly in that game? Or did you – were you like, no, there's no way? So I told my brothers uh, before the game, I was like, it's going to be 24-27, Washington loses. And they started mm-hmm. making fun of me. They were like, oh, look, they're just getting blown out. I was like, wait, wait. And then they came back. And it was one of those things where you're watching this, and it is, since the Dallas game, the most complete football they played in a while. That second yeah. half was awesome. It was sure. They were completing passes. They were running the ball. like We looked like an NFL team. We look like a quality NFL team, and it was beautiful to watch. Uh, Alex Smith did a great job. I think it's the second time in two weeks that he was over 300 yards. That's the first time he's done that in his entire career. So you're watching this happen, and it becomes a thing of beauty. But you're right. At the same time, when it was uh, 20, was it 24-24, and then no, it was 24-27, and then the Washington football team kicked their field goal. Hopkins finally got one. I was 27, mm-hmm. 27, and I was like, there's just – you don't feel comfortable. We haven't had luck on our side. We haven't had momentum on our side. We haven't – we still cursed. So, yeah, I did not feel comfortable, and then Prater just drills that last-second massive field goal in a dome. It's not going to do anything. Like So it was a perfect condition for a long field goal. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's – I know people love listening to other people talk about fantasy football. That's my – Secret. That's my thing. I stream kickers and I just pick whoever's kicking in a dome that week because you don't want. That's. I think it's honestly the easiest way to mitigate all of the other. And Prater, I guess, has, based on what I heard, has not had a fantastic season. No, but he still has a. He's got a cannon for a leg. Oh yeah. So when when they lined up for that, I'm like, I know he's. I know he can. He can get this. Like it's not outside of his range. Like this is for sure kickable and then there was just like no doubt as soon as it left his foot i'm like yeah okay um it, it was but, down I mean, the middle didn't it didn't yeah. nothing change it was bad but you know yeah you mentioned um alex smith he had like a career day you know 390 yards and you know there are all these like oh it's the best the fact that it's the best anything of his career after his leg exploded you know, I think that says something. He he, you know, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but thirty-eight completions of fifty-five on fifty-five throws, 
for 390 yards, average 7.1 um, yards per, I guess what, averaging per catch, so 7 point yards per completion. Uh, well, you know, a few things, there are a few things that stood out to me. First of all, J.D. McKissick is just going to eat catches, and he's going to oh, eat, yeah. and it's kind, of, it's kind of the Alex Smith playbook. Like, he's always been a check down guy. He's never been, like, a throw-it-over-the-top type guy. But, you know, watching, he probably, I feel like by the start of the fourth quarter, McKissick finished with seven catches for 43 yards. I feel like by the start of the fourth quarter, he already had, like, five catches. Like, he was just any and it's great that there's sort of that safe safe you know safety valve check down but McKissick was definitely a huge beneficiary of uh of of Smith's maybe I don't want to call it skittishness but sort of just like his general demeanor yeah well um, his escape if, plan in essence um and then with McKissick what he was able to do and this is how you know a guy is having a good game now now again you know for, now he didn't go over 50 yards but as a player, when you look like you're running downhill, when you get yeah. that momentum, you're not running scared, you're running through people. And there are a couple of times where he got tackled, but it was real close. He almost got through him. So McKissick had a good game where he 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 was starting he's trying to come around as not only a running back, but also a receiver where yeah. that's kind of what he was here to do anyway. So it's good to see that light bulb really go off and kind of see him play that game that that west coast style offense that we have not done in years and it's starting to work now and some of this is a function of the fact that they threw the football 55 times but they also had let's see two four six seven guys who had four or more catches on the day and i think in the first half it was like oh gosh like J.D. McKissick is going to get all these catches that Terry McLaurin would have otherwise. And McLaurin ended up finishing with seven catches for 95 yards. So he beat him in the yards, matched him in the catches. Um, McKissick was targeted 15 times. That's insane. McLaurin finished with nine targets, but McKissick 15 targets. It's just like, all right. I mean, if you feel comfortable with a guy, I, I think it is also a testament to how good Terry McLaurin is. And he's now in the top five in the league in catches. Um, the fact that you're getting out targeted by like, like a running back, anyone else I think would probably be frustrated or like might, you know, take a few plays off, but I definitely didn't see that with him at all. He's a, he's just a baller. I I think he's, he might, him and like Chase Young are probably my two favorite players on this team right now. Oh, oh, by far. But you also look at where one of the problems with McLaurin, and he knows this, is that he's been teed off as the only receiver on this team. But in this game last week, you had Sims made some key catches that were awesome, and then Logan Thomas made a couple catches against his old team. So you actually had people getting involved that previously, you know, had a couple drop passes, weren't really involved, but they put up some real numbers. And that's going to help McLaurin down the road. And then McKissick, you know, going on a, a little side pattern, I think eventually will allow this West Coast offense to thrive. Um, we just need to have more of consistency. We don't have it yet. When we're good, we're good. Yeah. And some of this is, I mean, you, you call it West Coast. Part of it, in, a little to me, felt like a, like a Madden style offense. Oh, yeah. I mean, they ran the ball. They ran the ball 26 times. 
for 89 yards. They finished with three rushing touchdowns. Gibson had two, and McKissick had one. I mean, yet again, the run the running game was next to non-existent. I mean, we've had one game this season with an 100-yard rusher, and that was Gibson's game against Dallas, where yeah. he finished 128 yards. I mean, this this game is just about as close. I mean, Gibson had a 55-yard game against the Cardinals and a 49-yard game against Cleveland. But, I, you know, it, to me it sort of feels like a resignation that the run game just is not going to be a big enough factor that they just, like, kind of have to put it on, on the passing game. And that's not what I – I don't like that in the sense that I'm still nervous – anytime that Alex Smith has his hands on the football. And I would love for them to be able to use the run to you know to supplement the pass, but it almost feels like the short passes, the, the dump-offs and the drop-offs are the replacement right now for the run game. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then with that, you're looking at and, – and I want to be you know positive in this scenario because right now in the, the last half of that game – you, you can't compare it to the Cardinals game. You can't compare it to you know the other losses that we had because the gets to the Giants both times, even though we came back, we didn't look this crisp. We didn't look this no. good. For the last, the second half of this game versus the Lions, we looked like a true football team. Our defensive click was clicking. Our offense was clicking. Our special teams was doing pretty okay. We even had a nice return. Like It was clicking. Yeah, we, yeah. We couldn't finish it, but... For the first time in a long time, we're getting close to finishing these games. Um, and that sign right now, if you look at the two Giants games, this game, again, Giants and the Lions are not good football teams. But for you to become a good football team, you have to beat the bad teams. And that's three wins right there. So we're at two wins. That gives us five right there. That's a big difference. And we lost all of them by, you know, a field goal or less. Yeah, honestly, I am not. I'm feeling a little bit less bullish on the defense this week than I did last week. They, I mean, it's hard. It's a team game. It's hard not to say that the defense was immaterial in them losing this one. And some of it was, you know, there was a you know a silly mistake by, um, by Chase Young that got him into field field position to kick the field goal at the end. You could say, oh, well, it shouldn't have come down to that. I I was not terribly impressed by the defense, save for maybe Carmen Curl. Okay. um, Who'd finished with the sack. He led the team in tackles. He had nine total, six solo. Finished and had a tackle for loss. I... I just, but I didn't really feel that the defense was deserving of the praise that we gave them last week. Um, it just it ended up kind of making the difference in my well, mind. Well, you're right. Curl at the position he plays should not be leading the team in tackles. That's just the way that it is. No, you're right. I mean, anybody who's in secondary who's who's leading the team in tackles is doing it wrong. Yeah, we should be leading the tackles on the the defensive line, maybe a linebacker. That's it. But that's not what's right. happening, and that means that they're getting past that, getting to that second level, and, and consistently. Yeah, and Kendall Fuller finished as the second leading tackler. He had eight total, six solo. So between the two of them, you're looking at almost 
20 tackles so that of plays that got to the secondary. You, you can't feel so good. No, you can't that. because something's they're still you're right. They're not, they're not hitting it yet. Now I think Jack Del Rio will get it. It just may not be the season. Um, but, but you can't win a game when you, you're leading tacklers in the secondary. You can't, that's just, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, how many, how many rushes, uh, uh, rushing yards did the lions have? So they, they went 21 carries for 105 yards. Uh, Swift finished 16 carries for 81 yards. Adrian Peterson, despite your estimation that he was just going to run through us for 100, he, he finished with four for 21, so he averaged five yards carry. Uh, and then on Johnson had one for three. on Johnson, who is one of those guys who you're like, okay, I'm going to draft him in like the 12th round. <laughs> and it's just going to take up space on my stupid bench, but I'm too dumb to... To let him go, carry on Johnson. You can you can eat it. Um, Sounds <laughs> like you did this. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. Um, Matt Stafford. It's actually funny. I, I have been slightly more online the last month than I have been historically. I think some of that is a function of like anxiety scrolling, uh, predominantly related in the uh, political sphere, but. I have uh, I saw a funny tweet. Mark Tyler, who writes for Hogshaven, he tweeted before the game. He goes, "It feels kind of weird, but it kind of." He said something effective. Feel, it feels kind of like uh, the Washington football team is about to go up against the quarterback who will be starting for them at some point. I and heard like, that too. Yeah, like, yeah. I was like, I could see it. Oh, I mean, absolutely. that's probably a few years down the line, but I could see Matt Stafford <laughs> in burgundy and gold at some point. Oh yeah, uh, no, we- that would be very on brand. But but we'd we'd get him when he was already done. That's what we keep doing, yeah. and I'm sick of That's doing why that. Beyond brand, I just don't. We'll, I don't we'll, want that. Let's let's we'll, get we'll, let's get our own guy. We'll we'll put a pin in that for two and a half years from now. Yeah, when yeah we'll We're talk. having this exact same conversation. But, but before we before we go on to the next the next thing we're gonna talk about, um, yeah. not a good anniversary today. No, not a good anniversary. No, no it's uh the. Anniversary of the 1985 Joe Theismann breaking his leg. Yep, and we talked about it last Alec, week. Alec, and the Alex Smith anniversary because they uh, happened on the same day. Same day. So this is a ba- bad quarterback leg day. Yeah. So well, skip leg day today. Skip leg day. But don't skip getting a little liquid sunshine in you um, as we are wont to do. Uh, this team makes us drink, so we're always going to be sipping on something. So I will ask you, Gumby, uh, what are you sipping on tonight? Well, I went a little uh, different version of Maryland this week. Uh, yeah. I am sitting here with the Evo, that's Evolution Craft Brewing Company out of Salisbury. And yep. I'm bringing back uh, a little little the October, early November beer, which is our, our my Jack Hez O'Lantern. So it's a Jack O'Lantern, Jack Hez O'Lantern, uh, Belgian-style pumpkin ale. It's a uh, 6.3%. Uh, but the good thing is, and I, actually, I like it. Uh, okay. Lot, pumpkin beers I do like normally, but they do range and vary. This one's got a good pumpkin taste, but it's not mm. overwhelming. It's got a lot of okay. good taste. But it's it, it's almost like you're you're tasting a little bit lighter of a beer, the actual beer. Uh, okay. I'd recommend it. You people, I'm I'm enjoying drinking this. I will I will be definitely having a second. What's your what's your untap rating here? And you can follow uh, Gumby on Untapped at D Cumberland Junior. What's your untap rating? 
I would uh, I would put this Jacquezal Lantern. Jacquezal Lantern from Evo. I'd put go. this now for me, uh it's hard to get a five. I'm not giving out fives like candy. Yeah. Um four is a beer that you're like, oh wow, this is impressive. You know, yeah. so I would put this in the three point seven five range. Sure. Okay. Uh drink it, you'll enjoy it. Um is it the best beer I've ever had? Absolutely not. But is it a good beer? Yes. Okay. But now, Stabby, what what you sipping? So I'm keeping it regional as well. Uh, I've just picked up some of this this week. I have a Dogfish Head 90-minute Imperial IPA. Ooh, I love so the 90-minute. Yeah. Uh, so you know, you're probably, if you're, you know, I'm actually reading a book by Sam Claggione right now, who's the founder of Dogfish Head. Um, just talking about, like, brewing. I think it's literally called, like, brewing up a business. Um, he's an interesting guy. Very eccentric. Um Oh yeah, very very interesting. Really enjoying. Here, just sort of reading his words. Um, Dogfish Head, I think, is one of the uh, preeminent craft breweries. Sort of like mac, not macro. Like there, you can get it anywhere. They were very early in the trend. Sixty Minute is, I think, one of the most drinkable beers you can get anywhere. Like if you see it, you get it. Absolutely. Um, Ninety Minute is. Good. It's a little bit heftier. It's a nine percent ABV. It's a little bit sweeter. Um, it's sweeter, but then like boozier also. Yeah. Kind of heady. I'm really enjoying this. Um, I I mean I love Dogfish Head, and this may be the first time I've had the ninety minute. It's at least the first time I've had it in a long time. I think I'm similarly going to rate this a three seven five. Nice. Um, you can follow me on Untapped at B Stabby. I'm coming up on my fifteen hundredth. Unique beer. We were we were a little behind the curtain as well. We were going. I I turned you end. on to Untapped, right? Yeah. And then, as we were both approaching our thousandth unique beer, it was kind of like a Maguire and Sosa type situation. Like we we're like, okay, like you got a bunch, <laughs> and then like I would go to a brewery and I'd check in a bunch of beers, and then like we we sort of went back and forth, and then you had a kid and fell off. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what happened. It's uh, if anyone's ever had a kid before that first year of having a kid, you uh, you drink, but your thought isn't first of all, let me go get on my phone and throw an untapped up. But I'm coming back. I'm starting to get yeah. back into it. I'm starting to get my good. my beer back into it now. Uh, if you have tried the 90, you've had the 60. One day get the 120. Oh, it's good. I've had a little bit of it, and it, I remember the only thing I've ever I remember about it is that like. It like singed my eyebrows off. It was oh, like so, so boozy, so boozy. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can get it. get my hands on some of that. It's delicious. So okay, so that's what we're that's what we're drinking. Um, we have one other thing I think to discuss about this last contest, and I think we this is good podcasting. I don't think we're gonna agree on this one. Oh, we, we are we routinely in a we are routinely in agreement. <laughs> On things, and I know that that doesn't make for terribly exciting podcasting because, like, yes, and like it's not like an improv, like. But I think we we are not um, in agreement on this one. So, I would you like to sort of explain the crux of the argument here as it relates to this last contest that we we watched? So, so we were able to watch this game on TV. Yep, uh, I believe it was on Fox. And I think that's right. Yeah, early on. I, 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 it became painful for me to watch this. The commentators were god awful. Uh, they had no back and forth really. Um, 
the the color commentator who, who was the color commentator again? It was uh, Takiba Lieb. Okay, yeah, they used to be on the Patriots. Um, That's and, right. And yeah. he was god awful. Uh, he was just going. Ke- off. Sorry, Akib Talib. What did I say? Okay, yeah, I think it was close enough. I don't. Akib Talib. It's not worse than his broadcasting, where he would just go on these tangents uh, about who he knew, what he did. Like I'm a football player, and again, it was it, he wasn't telling you about the, very much about the defense, and, and then he was talking to us like we were friends at a barbecue, instead of talking to us like. We're trying to learn about this game, hear about this game, know what's going on. I did not feel like I was any smarter from hearing him talk about this game than before I began this game. Um, it was very disappointing, and it was just also so like convoluted that it was hard to follow sometimes. It was not good commentating. We didn't have the the A team or the B team or the, the C team. We had like the G commentators at this game. Um, and of course, you know, Talib, this is his, I think it's his first year doing it. He'll get better, but it was bad. Okay. So I will agree with you on one thing. And this is, I think this has been going on for a number of years. The Washington football team does not get good broadcast teams assigned to their games. And frankly, if I'm a television executive, I mean, I'm probably making the same call. NFC's football and in particular, Washington football team football, is not I mean it's not Chiefs Ravens you know like when you're not seeing it's not appointment television so you're correct in that you know they gave I think the play-by-play guy was uh, Brandon Gowden and I'm going to tell you I'm going to give a little bit more color on this I'm coming at this also from a perspective of you know I do do a little bit of broadcasting on the side (laughs) you said do do Um, I did say do do (laughs) um mostly Division three for for those big D three football basketball and lacrosse heads, but let me break it down for you here. First of all, yes, this was Akib Talib's first game he's ever been in the booth. He was incredibly raw and it was incredibly um, unpolished. But personally, I'm here for it because few things. One, the NFL. I think we talked about this on a prior podcast. The NFL takes itself so seriously and it takes itself so seriously in a way where it's like there is almost an element of joylessness in its presentation that is just like it's cultural it's systemic and anytime there's anything that sort of breaks out of that people latch onto it i'm thinking in particular tony romo who is like youngish and fun and he's like calling out the plays before they happen and people are really fired up now, Akib Talib is out here. First of all, he was so excited just to be there. And he kept on talking about it, which I thought was pretty hilarious. He's like, I can't believe it. And I think it is so fantastic that he like knew and played with and played for the coaches and played with these guys. I have I have an one singular underlying belief as it relates to sports broadcasting. I believe that you can be a former athlete who's a broadcaster for as long as there is one person still in the league that was in the league when you were there. And as soon as that last guy retires, you have to go. 
So I, I don't need to be hearing Terry Bradshaw. Like, Phil Simms was a washed-up dinosaur by the time it was over. It was an embarrassment. I, you know, like, these guys who, who are, like, dinosaurs and fossils, like, who have nothing to say that's nice about the game because it's not the way that it was played when they played is infuriating to me, and it adds a level of joylessness that I think sucks. Now, I think I, I will also disagree with you in the fact that you didn't learn anything because I think he actually said a lot of things that were really interesting, albeit he said them in a way that was just like a little bit jarring from what you're accustomed to hearing on an NFL broadcast because you're you're just, you know, think about how, think about like, booger and joe tessator and like that terrible monday night football crew like tessator is out here the best description i ever heard of him was like he's the type of guy who wishes that like the rat pack were still a thing like he's like yeah we need more like sinatra and like boogers like out here saying like yeah you know like it's third down and if they don't convert it on this one like they're not going to be able to to go for it again on third down and talib is out there talking about like oh i know these guys i think it's fun like I I just really enjoyed it was it was fresh it was different and there was a level of like mirth that I found to be a nice change of pace from what I'm accustomed to as it relates to watching a broadcast. But you have an announcing crew. I thought that was very eloquent done. That was nice of you to say all those wonderful things. But when you have a crew on TV talking, don't take it away from the game. The way, and again, it's not just Talib's fault. It's whoever the the guy who was talking with him as well, yeah. the, they weren't good together. Um, and then as, as a as this crew together, they're taking away from the game. They're taking away from my audio experience of this game. Um, they, it was not not being made any better. I thought that it was that it was actually t- taking my 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 ability to watch this game away, and I don't want that. Now, Raw, I don't care. Again, Terry Bradshaw is a horrible commentator. Um, I don't want to hear him talk ever. Like Howie Long with his stupid oh, square God. head. Like everybody, I don't need that shit. <laughs> everybody on, on, on that group is just they're, – they're just there to, to, to make fun of each other for like 45 minutes, and they get a paycheck. Um, yeah. But and again, Tlaib may have a lot of good stuff to say. There's a reason he was there. This game, on this day, it was a, a, a hindrance – to my viewing experience for him to be talking. Uh, and the, again, I don't know who the commentator was. It, I, I, it's a shame for him. It was a bad team. It was a bad game. And overall, I thought it was a disaster. And I hated it. And by the, my, that was the day, the first day of my first time I did Twitter during a game. And everybody agreed with me. It was going crazy on Twitter. We're like, this is horrible to listen to. Mob mentality. I, I disagree. I just, I listen. Okay, <laughs> this is this is what's good. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Okay, I, I would take another Akib to leave game. I love his excitement. I think maybe he could um, work on smoothing it out. He he had some crutches that anyone who's ever been in front of a microphone experiences those types of things. He said, "Man," a lot. Yeah, he did. Like every third or fourth sentence. It was but, man, and I played with him, and this did this. Like it was. Yeah, like, but I love that. I want to hear. Like I don't want to hear. But tell me a whole story. Don't just yeah. tell me I played with him and he's cool, man. He'll, he'll, he'll like get no, there. don't don't do he'll, that. He'll get there. He'll get there. I don't know. Look, they 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 
it's we're we're lucky that they they aren't like finding some intern and some janitor at Fox to go do the Washington football team Detroit Lion game because frankly, I mean, they made it abundantly clear what they thought of this matchup and yeah. ultimately the game ended up being exciting. I loved his excitement about how exciting it was, but frankly, like they uh there is a lack of respect and I would say a lack of respect that is not unearned as it relates to when they they put this team on the air. Oh, I agree with that. Absolutely. Like we we are going to get the worst commentators and we did. And so, we did. We did. So I actually have I have another unrelated question for you. Okay. You, you texted me something funny today and I I need you to I want you to expand upon it a little bit. Um you know, as background I don't know how much background we can give here. Like we're both former season ticket holders. Yep. We've both followed the team for a long time. Um, like we both clearly care enough about it for some ungodly reason that we're talking for an hour a week. Come on. I mean, look, we're not like Chad Dukes. Oh, recipes, Chad yeah. Dukes. Um, but who you, you love, know, you love Dukesy. I, yeah, I, that's a whole nother hour to talk about. Sorry. You know, I could, I could do an hour on, on, <laughs> Dukes, but uh, you got some some weird outreach today from the team. Like, what? Tell me what what happened explicitly here. So I'm I'm working, and uh, I go on a very unused email uh, AOL. If you guys remember that, it still exists. I still have yeah. one. I don't use it, uh, but it still pops up my phone. And it was like, oh look, it's a survey from the Washington Football Team. Yeah. Okay, let's see what this is about. This could be fun. Maybe they're asking me questions about FedEx again and how much I hate it. Maybe they're sure. asking me about parking or, or next year. Maybe it's something cool. Whether come up with a new idea that's gonna like you know revolutionize what we're trying to do with some HD or a giveaway. Maybe something cool. Maybe the Washington Football Team is is trying to change some stuff and and be on the cutting edge because they're spending all this money. Well, that's not at all what happened. Um, the first couple questions, and I'll read them, and then I, you can answer them, and I, I'll give you the, a 1 to 10 range. You can answer them. Okay, yeah. The, the first question is, when it comes to the Washington football team, I have, and it's 1 to 10. It's actually 0 to 100, but it's 1 to 10. Uh, okay. No passion to ultimate passion. Ultimate now, passion? Ultimate passion is 100 or 10. 0 to 100. I'm supposed to give my my rating? Your rating. I mean, we have a podcast about this team, so it's more than five, right? Yeah. I don't know, like <laughs> seven, <laughs> eight, eight. We'll call it eight. Okay, so you're up we'll there. You're, you're you're in the you're in the higher range for passion. Yeah, I would say I would say so. I don't know. I was at sixty five. So uh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. I, I can't answer this. Whatever, we'll just say eight and move on. How can you have a hundred percent passion for a team that hasn't really won anything in twenty years? Yeah, like what is the measure? Like clearly, like if you have a tattoo, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's yeah, a very silly. It's a silly premise, but whatever. It's, I'll, but it's I'll a play great along. premise because it goes downhill from here. Uh, okay. During the season, mm-hmm. to what degree does the Washington football team occupy your mind? Zero to a hundred. God, probably more than it ought to. Um, like six. <laughs> no, I was about the same in that six six range, absolute six seven range. 
they have my Sundays, they have my Wednesdays, and then usually whatever day it takes me to edit this podcast. And then if I'm feeling compelled enough to write, which I haven't done in a while, I'm very sorry, Ken. Um, yeah, we'll call it a six. Okay. Then during the season, how much do you prioritize your time so you can follow the Washington football team? One to a hundred or zero. Prioritize to my time. Correct. Uh, Honestly, I, I spend more time podcasting usually than I do like engaging in other content. I probably call we'll call that one a five. I was about the same, you know, four or five because I don't prioritize my time very much except on Wednesdays. Yeah. Um, and then here comes the fun one. Okay. And, th- and then then there's more that came after this, but this is just the, the one I really enjoyed. I can't live without the Washington football team. Zero to a hundred. Can't live without it. I can't live without. The Washington football team, 0 to 100. I can't yeah. live without air. Zero. I can't live without water. Could I Could I live without this football team? Yeah, for yeah. sure I can. I mean, like, would I be, like, do I probably want it more than I would the alternative? That's a silly question. I, I could, could I live without it? Yeah, I could. I don't know. Yeah. Like, what the hell is that even supposed to mean? But, okay. So that was page one. Was those ridiculous questions about the football team. Did you fill then, this whole thing out? No, no, because then the next was four pages about health care and insurance. Asking you huh. how much you enjoyed health care, if you thought about insurance, if you if you trusted it, um, if if you believed in it, if you used it. And it was like, What? Like it went it, like it, it drew you in with these like bullshit questions and then went into like do you know about Nova, uh, Medicare Health, Adventist yeah. Healthcare, USAA, Allstate, State Farm? They're trying to see who if they're advertising, and then who they should any... be advertising with. Huh? Yeah. Well, okay. It feels. Here's my impression. There. Yeah, please. It feels a little bit disingenuous to wrap this um, this like marketing survey up in terms of a like a, a like a like how good a fan are you yeah type dra- like rapper um that's that's peculiar well, well no it gets there's one more step okay and this next step is the one that really got me oh when it's you, not done no no it's not done because you answer okay. Five pages. It takes like five minutes, five, six minutes. Five yeah. pages of just crap about healthcare okay. insurance and those those five questions. The very end of it, they send you a your Washington football team passion score. I didn't tell you about this part. Your passion score? Out of a hundred, they send you a passion score. So huh. I scored a sixty-one out of a hundred for my passion. For the Washington football team. And then here's hmm. the best part. You can go back once you have your passion score and then redo the survey to make your passion score higher just because that's what they want you to do. Huh. Okay. So I took um, – I studied government in college, and we had to do one class that was like an analytical class. Like you had to do a math type thing. I'm not a big math guy, Okay. And so we had to do this. The one class I did was like government stat. So like they talked about polling and they talked about margins of error and stuff. And this seems like an inherently flawed. Like how can how can you take if if I'm the Washington football team marketing department, how can I take any 
of those results. I mean, frankly, I don't really care about the Washington football team marketing department. It doesn't no. have any that one has zero impact on me. But <laughs> um so what you're saying is they want you to fill this out, say nice things about their sponsors. If you didn't say nice enough things about your sponsors, you can go back, change your answers, and it'll say you're a better fan of the team. And then at the very end it goes, so I got sixty one out of a hundred and says the average person average NFL team fan scores a 70 so then they're make, they trying to make me feel bad because I didn't get a mm. 70 yeah you, you haven't won anything the last time this team won or was in the Super Bowl was 1992 yeah that's the last time and they've yeah. been in the playoffs what three four times since the night in 20 years and you're yeah. gonna turn to me and say oh your passion score is not high enough well your team isn't fucking high enough your team sucks that's not my fault. Don't send me a questionnaire asking how passionate I am. How passionate are you about your fans? How passionate are you about the people that pay you? How f- passionate about us going to your crappy stadium, watching your shitty team, and taking our money? How passionate are you about that? How about you take that back from me? How about you pull up my survey and tell me what you're going to give me for giving you thousands of my dollars, hundreds of hours of my time, and you're going to send me this piece of crap? No. Yeah, it's very weird. That's a weird move. That's a weird move. It, Obviously, just... this this team is like very into, and I mean, I can only really speak to them. I can't really. There's no comparison. Like, I can't be like, oh, more so than the Seattle Seahawks. But like, they're always they're always Who out win? there talking about Who like. Win? But they're always talking about like, oh, Tostitos, the official chip of your Washington football team. It's like. Okay, like that doesn't necessarily make me want to eat a eat a Tostito anymore because like Dan, there's a picture of Dan Snyder standing with like the CEO of Frito Lay or whatever it is. <laughs> like, I the, and the worst part is so the uh, if you want to become I'm going to go into a little bit of the background of the NFL and the teams and the players. So yep. if you want to become the NFL official NFL something, yeah, take the NFL, you hand them a bunch of money, right. and they put your logo up. They don't necessarily use you for crap, but they sure. you can put NFL on things. Then you have the sec- the next tier, which is the teams. The teams can go in and say, okay, well, you're now the official mattress sponsor of the Washington Redskins. No one's going to use you from the team. They're going to do off their own thing. But you mm-hmm. pay them a bunch of money, and then that's how they do that. However, if you are a player of the NFL through the NFL Players Association – they take and put you with quality companies that have been vetted and don't have to pay any additional money to be the uh, the, the, the person they use. So the right. NFL Players Association actually goes in and vets good companies, takes care of their players in the background. So those players aren't using the, the, the Washington football team's official sponsor or the NFL's official sponsor. They're using the one from the NFL Players Association. The one that has been vetted, the one that has been trusted for years, the one that people actually agree to. So, all this money just so you can have uh, a really weird-looking HVA system guy commercial come across you while you're taking a pee in the middle of the, the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. What a peculiar. I, I mean, look, I get it. Like, ad sales are a thing. Like, I'm sure that's someone's job. It just feels like a very ham-fisted way. That could really only either yield you at like worst case scenario, like best case scenario, it yields you in like survey results that don't tell you 
actual information. And then, like, worst case result, you have someone get on a podcast and talk about how stupid the team was for sending you something to insult your level of fandom. I don't know. Like, what a... what a So, marketing-wise, what they're doing is, because we're not sitting in a stadium yeah. learning about Nova or Medicare or or State Farm or USAA or Allstate is that they're sending out an email to subconsciously remind you that these people exist for mm. you to take five minutes and go through and click on those little buttons that don't mean anything. All they're doing is going to their advertisers and trying to find a way for us, the thousands of fans that are left, to still be reminded about these marketing opportunities, these companies that have paid all this money because you know you can give the money back. So that's what this little email is. It's just another way to get their name out there so they can look at their sponsor and be like, oh, look what we tried to do for you. I will put out a call right now. If you are someone in the marketing department for the Washington football team and you would like to come on to this podcast and rebut anything that was just said, you have an open invitation. You can reach out to us on our Twitter account at Cult of Cult. How about that? How about, I'm, I'm how's in. that for marketing? I will I will drink a second beer on that conversation. Oh, boy. Okay, well, so I guess uh, we, we've covered a lot of ground here. <laughs> I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about what's coming up next in terms of the Bengals this weekend. Um, where's your head at as it relates to sort of that game? I'm I'm really excited actually. Are you for for Sunday's game? I'm looking at an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, we put together a good half last week. We are starting to click as a team. What you need to really click as a team is a worse team to walk into your stadium and play you. Sure. This is exactly what's happening. The Bengals have the opportunity to be good later. They're not good now. No. We are in that same opportunity. We're not good yet, but we can be. We're we're on that we're a little further ahead than they are. If we can go ahead and take advantage of that and put together a complete game, another complete game. We had a complete game against Dallas. We can show the Bengals up and have another complete game. That will turn around and kind of help build our we may not build this season, but build our future. Sure. Erase the curse, take out the, the, the Bengals allow us to feel that confidence again going into the last bit of this season. Uh, I think this will be the 10th game, so we'll have a couple left over. But this game, I feel good. I feel as if we're actually going to do that. We're, uh, Riverboat Ron has turned around. He, he's cancer-free. We have Del Rio's putting together a team. Uh, we have a quick COVID scare. We got past that one already. I yeah. think we're going to put together this team, put together this week, have a great home game, and and actually build upon it. And I think this is going to be a good week where I think our spread's like a point and a half. And I think it we're going to win. I think we're going to win by, by, by seven, seven to 10 points. Yeah. And Washington is one and a half point favorites. Um, sort of looking at the numbers, I, I guess, you know, the odds makers give advantage, you know, like home field advantage. They even in the absence of fans, um, Cincinnati has a slightly better offense and a slightly worse defense. They get slightly more yards and allow slightly more yards. Um, 
Yeah, the Bengals, they're not good. They're 2-6-1. and one. They have not won a game on the road. They're 0-4-1 and one on the road. Washington, 2-7, and 2-3 at home. Um, I will say this. I think, and you can mark this one down, I think Joe Burrow is legit. Like, I don't think he's yeah. there yet, but I think he's going to be in that same conversation of like this group of young stars that's sort of emerging at quarterback in the league, you know, with Lamar Jackson and Kyler um, Murray, Kyler Murray for sure. I mean, you saw what he did this last weekend, that walk off touchdown. Oh, that's um, amazing. You know, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, he's in a tough situation because he's behind like a shit offensive line. And just like, there's a reason they got him. It's because they were bad. Like, yeah. and he's not going to make them better immediately, but I do think his, um, his ability is not it's enough to overcome a lot of deficiencies that this team has and like they're not good by any stretch for sure but he i think will eventually be a game changer and it's kind of funny that you know it's sort of a tale of two quarterbacks with him and Dwayne Haskins who probably will not play i mean god willing he won't play because that means something bad has happened to Alex Smith but you know Burrow sat behind Haskins at Ohio State, and that's really what forced him to transfer. I mean, he yeah. was like, I'm like, I'm not getting reps, I'm not getting starting looks, I'm going to transfer to LSU. And then he goes on and has one of the best seasons any college quarterback has ever had in that Heisman winning year. And I don't watch a lot of college football. I don't think it's like a terribly ethical thing. That's a, That is a whole other podcast. For whatever reason it was that his senior year, like the year he, or what, not senior, whatever, the year he won the Heisman, I ended up seeing yeah. like three or four LSU games. I'm like, holy crap, this guy can throw. Like, he can make throws. He has touch. He's got power. Like, he's really good. Uh, that, I think, is going to be the key matchup in this game is Washington's defense against, like, Joe Burrow's talent and ability. Does he have guys around him? Like no, not right mm. now. Joe Joe Mixon is hurt. Yeah, uh, he's, he's questionable. Got... He's questionable for Sunday, uh, but that's not a good questionable. I think he'll be doubtful shortly and then out for Sunday. Yeah, I mean Cincinnati's dead last in a very, very, very challenging AFC North division yeah. with with I mean Pittsburgh still undefeated. Baltimore not looking as good as people thought they would. They're still gonna like make the playoffs. They're still really good, but. You know, like Gio Bernard and Tyler Boyd, and like, like late stage AJ Green. Like, it's not. This is not a Bengal. You know, Bengals. We've had a couple years where the Bengals have won like 10, 11 games and made playoff runs. This is not that. No. They could. They could get there. Um, it's funny because these these are both teams that are coming in off sort of like slumps right now. I think they both have matching one and five records over their last six games. Both played a bunch of division games. I don't know. I th- I'm. I think I'm with you. I think I'm moderately to reasonably excited for this matchup. If only just to sort of like use it as a barometer for where we are. If yeah. we're like one play away from like tying or beating the Lions, I think this sort of ends up being in that same conversation. So I'm, 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 yeah, I, I could be excited for a Washington football team, Cincinnati Bengals game. Like it's 1988 or whatever. But I would love to see us put together a complete game. I don't want us to be against the giants. We, we would play down. We, we have more ability than this. And if we can play a full solid 
game. That would be phenomenal. Yeah. Four quarters of solid football against a team that just that that is on the up and up like we are. We pull off seven points. I'm guessing like a you know a twenty to twenty seven game, uh, and that way we can just be excited and say, hey, you know what we we're better than this crap. And yeah. I want to be better than the crap. That's the next step is for us to not be a three and something team to be a better than the crap team and work our way up. So here's here's the question, and this is actually something I've been thinking about this week. With the Lions game kind of as context, with a, a tight Giants game as context, um, you know, both games that they lost, are there moral victories that you can take away from those losses. Now, obviously, moral victories don't win championships. This is not... There There are no illusions that this is a championship-caliber team. But can you l- leave a Lions game that you lose sort of by the skin of your teeth and sort of feel like, okay, that sucks, but I don't feel so bad about it. Like, I feel like there are some building blocks. There are some things that I can feel good about in sort of as you're going through the season, like are there are there moral victories in a, in a year like this? Mm, yes and no. Let me. That, that's that's a good question. Yeah. So a moral victory is one that you take and you learn from, and you learning from that helps you become a better player, a better team, which results in winning. Yep. A moral victory in these cases isn't immediately apparent. This season is not a winning season. This season is not. We do not have a winning team. Nope. We are a two and seven team. Again, we've said it before. We are who we thought we were. Uh, we're a two and seven team right now. These moral victories are ones that hopefully next season, 2021 and 2022, turn out that way to allow us to grow and become a 10, 11, 12 win uh, football team. That's when these moral victories matter. Uh, these these growing these steps these steps forward. If in next year and the year after, we're still winning five, six games, these aren't moral victories. There's, no. It doesn't exist. It, didn't, it did not help us grow. It did not make us the winners that we want to be. It just makes us another bad team. So, so what you're saying to, is that yeah. moral, moral victories are, are really only fully apparent in hindsight. So like, can you feel a moral victory? You don't think you can feel a moral victory in the moment? No, I, I in in every aspect of whether it was uh you know pee wee or high school or college sports that I played, uh, Division One, uh, those victories, those moral victories, you learn from them, but they weren't victories until they turned into actual victories. Mm-hmm. You can look back and be like, this helped me learn this. This allowed me to become a better player because of this. But I never left a loss and turn around and be like, well, you know. That one play at two minutes, I really learned a valuable lesson. No, yeah. I went. I I lost today, and that that loss is something that drove me. And going back to the films, going back to that learning is how I drove from hating that loss feeling to learning each step to making myself better, to making the team better, to making more wins, which led to championships. Yeah, and you know, watching, watching them sort of like put together some nice drives and like make a comeback that ultimately failed in the moment. I'm like, Oh, this is a nice thing. Like I, I wasn't satisfied. Like I wasn't like, I'm yeah. oh, I'll take this, but yeah, I think, I think that's a good point that 
you can, if they demonstrate that they're not going to make the same mistakes in the same ways, then learning from those mistakes then does become a moral victory in a way that you can feel at least not bad. I don't want to say good, yeah. but not bad about. Yeah, I think that I think that that's entirely fair because at this point in the year, victories are going to be hard to come by. They have been all year. We knew that coming in. So finding those things you can hang your hat on, I think it's going to be important in order to sort of just like to stay sane and feel as though your time was well spent and that it's building towards something. Agreed. And that's very point. I mean, they lost. Yeah. It was a last second field goal to a a three and five team, whatever it was. Yeah. And you're looking at going, well, they lost. Uh, You lost. And that, that is what drives you. And you can turn around and be like, well, we, we got really close. We did come back, but we didn't put together a whole game. And it, it'll it'll become a moral victory in a year or two when we're a playoff team, yeah. if we're a playoff team, where yeah. we can look back and be like, th- th- this stretch of games, the the Giants game, the, the two Giant games, the Lions games, uh, being able to turn around and beat the Bengals by seven uh, and put together a complete game, those become victories then. Uh, in a couple of years, but you have to build off of this, this swamp of crap that we're dealing in now. So you mentioned, um, one and a half point spread. I, I have a thing I think I'd like us to discuss. And I think we can do this okay. for the, rest, the rest of the year. Um, are you, are you much of a gambler? I'm a heads up gambler, meaning that I will play the head up. I will play like, oh, is Washington going to win or is Cincinnati going to win? Oh, I'll put my money on Washington, and that's it. Yeah, and you know, like this region, you know, DC started they legalized gambling, and sort of there's been a movement to sort of make things more legit. It's kind of like on a state by state basis. Um, I have some feelings about that. Of course I do, but we don't have to get too much into them at the moment. Well, Maryland uh, put that on the ballot this year, too. I don't know if it passed yet. Sports cap gambling. I think it did, but I don't know. Don't go out and gamble based on what you've heard in this podcast. Like, we need a disclaimer right here. Like, please do not. The, the thoughts and opinions of the Cult of Cold podcast cannot be taken as solid legal advice. Like, please consult your attorney if you have any questions. But. Um, so Tell I'm a bookie that you want to not do this ever again. Yeah. I, uh, I'm in a pick em like a spread pool okay with like a bunch of people that I used to work with I don't know how you how you like what your experiences have been but like well we used to work together and we still hang out but after you leave a job there's usually my experience has been there's like usually I don't know some amount of time if you leave on good terms where like you still like you'll text with someone or like oh like you know comment on their yeah. Facebook or whatever but then sort of it starts to to dwindle um, and in most, you know, people just like move on. I'm still in this league or this like pool, um, that I was in at this last job and I'm probably not going to do it next year, but not because like, I don't like the guys that I used to work with and women. They're all pretty great. Um, but also, but mostly because I suck at making picks. Like I'm and really happy to terrible. take your money. Real happy to take your money. Yeah. Yeah. There are people who are walking away with, with my money. Um, 
And mostly it was sort of like I rationalized this type of thing. It was sort of like, okay, like whatever. Like if I went out for drinks a couple of times with these people, I'd end up paying the same amount of money. So this is sort of like my way to stay connected with them. But I'm terrible at it to the point where I've won one time. And the reason that I won was because I was doing so poorly that I went in, made my picks. Most of the time I'm a gut pick guy. And then immediately reversed every single one of them because I was like, my, my instincts are terrible. I'm just going to reverse them all. And I ended up winning that week. <laughs> um, things are not going so well right now. And so I was thinking maybe we'd do a, a little rapid fire picks against the spread. Let's do it. Uh, first of all, I don't like I don't pick against the spread because a lot of people do because they, they'll be like, okay, well, it's an indoor stadium. And I know that the, this team is this over 500. This I also know that the Washington football team is horrible against the spread and has yep. been for years. Like yeah. I get all that. However, I don't know much about it, but I'll play this game. I'll play this game with you. Let's see how let's how much worse I am at this than you are. Yeah, and I, do, I don't, as I've established, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know no. what I'm doing. I, you're right. I do, I do know that Washington is bad against the spread. Um, we'll start there. Washington, one and a half point favorites at home. Are they going to win by I, more I, than I, one and I a would, half? Uh, I would take the, the Washington and the points, over, and with, plus, plus with the points. Okay. Um, Arizona at Seattle. Seattle's a three and a half favorite at home. At Seattle? At Seattle. I'll take Arizona. Oh, okay. See, I would have gone Seattle, but we're going to whatever. Yeah. I Again, I don't know any of this stuff. Um, here's an interesting one. Atlanta at New Orleans. New Orleans is a four-and-a-half-point favorite, and Drew Brees is out. Drew Brees is out, um, and New Orleans hasn't been playing that well this year, and it's no. at New Orleans? At New Orleans, four-and-a-half points. Oh, I'd take Atlanta. I think I'll, I'll take yeah, Atlanta I'll... and the points. So, so okay. I, you know, Atlanta to... So Atlanta to, to either to lose by less than four and a half. Correct. Or win. Or or at win. a minimum, Correct. lose by less than four and a half points. Correct. Okay. In essence, a field goal, yeah. Yeah. Um, Carolina, one and a half point favorites at home against Detroit. Detroit didn't look that great. No. And it sits at Carolina, so at I know Carolina. Detroit plays better at domes than it does than they do outside. Yep. So I would take Carolina. Okay, I'm, I think I'm here for that. New England is a two and a half point underdog on the road at Houston. That's a hard one to me. Uh, I can never count out the Patriots. They yeah. keep learn make me feel that way every year. Except this year, they've been bad this year. And it yeah. makes me feel good. And so I will go Houston. Houston, okay. Houston plus two and a half. Plus two and um, a half. Cleveland is three and a half point favorites at home against the Eagles. Eagles. Man, okay. So you think the Eagles are going to either lose by less than a field goal or win? Correct. In essence, win, yeah. Interesting. Cleveland is six and three this year. I know, but the the... They're going to fall apart at some point in time. Why not this week? That's true. I also the Eagles suck. <laughs> they do, but they're better than us. They're be, they're winning our division. That's true. Um, okay, <laughs> Jacksonville is ten and a half point underdogs at home against Pittsburgh. Wait, who's the quarterback for Jacksonville now? No one you've ever heard of. 
I oh. honestly, it's not Gardner Minshew. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's ten and a half. You said ten. So will Jacksonville lose by less than ten and a half points at home? I, I would take Jacksonville at this. Really? I think they're going to lose by about ten. It's ten and a half. Yeah. It's it. So I would take Jacksonville in like a you know like a twenty-one to fourteen type thing. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's running a high, but I think when you're undefeated, they haven't lost. And, yeah. Well, they're nine uh, nine and zero, but the problem is, is that the longer you are winning, the, it, it starts to mess with you. The idea of being undefeated, the, the the and then you look at this team who's crap. Jacksonville's crap. They are. And you play down to them. You you almost like I have a week off, and I think Pittsburgh will do that, and they'll have they'll still win, but they're not going to have the 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 lights out victory that they've had recently. Okay. I think that Jacksonville will cover. I will say uh, if if I win one of the if I win, we'll split the money. Uh, okay, Both Baltimore, dollars. Baltimore. Ooh, this is a good one. Baltimore six and a half point favorites against Tennessee. Baltimore's at home. I'm I'm taking Tennessee. Baltimore has fallen apart too much recently for me to feel comfortable with them right now. Uh, so I would take Tennessee. It's a really good matchup. I'll probably watch yeah. that game. I'll at least try to watch that game. Um. Denver is three and a half point underdogs at home against Miami. At home, at home, it's yeah. in Denver. It's in. Oh, Denver. I'll take Denver. Three and a half point underdogs at home. Okay. Yeah, because my Miami is one of those teams that they don't they've traditionally not played great in cold weather. Denver in mid to late November is going to be cold. They had snow like like a week ago, so I would definitely take uh, Denver. Two is good. Yeah, he's getting better. Yeah, but I I don't think he's played a cold weather game yet. I don't know. I don't know what he's played. Whatever. I know they played San Diego because it was Herbert versus. Tim. Yeah, but he, exactly. He's gonna walk up to the Mile High, which is a completely different environment, literally environment. Uh, it's it's a lighter atmosphere. It's colder. Yep. It's a whole nother thing going on up there. I would I would definitely take Denver. Chargers eight and a half point favorites over the Jets. The Jets suck. Chargers. The Jets do suck. Yeah, there's like no, there's no number that you could have put next to the Chargers where I wouldn't just take them. No, not at all. The Jets are terrible. Um, Minnesota eight and a half point favorites at home against the Cowboys. That's hard. That, yep. So that was a long pause, but that's hard. Um, I take the points. You're taking. I'm, I'm, Dallas? I'm taking Dallas. To, to cover the Dallas will cover okay yeah um and they'll lose by seven but that's eight and a half so I think no, another bold pick uh ooh. Indianapolis is a two and a half point favorite at home against Green Bay who I think like shit the bet against Jacksonville last week if I remember they did. correctly yeah two and a half point favorite at home against Green Bay at home I'll take uh Indy Indy okay Vegas six and a half point underdogs at home against Kansas City yeah I'm taking KC. I'm gonna go yeah. bold on that one. They'll lose by more. The uh, Raiders will lose by more than seven. And then Monday night is ooh, Tampa Bay three and a half point favorites over the Rams. Where's it at? Tampa. Mm, I take the Rams. Okay. And you have to pick uh, total points. I always pick fifty-five points, but <laughs> that's just because I like don't really care very much. Unless you have a, a different uh, difference of opinion here. Well, you know Brady's going to throw a little bit. You know the Rams will throw a little bit. Uh, I'll be. I think it'll be like a thirty something to thirty something game. So I would shoot in like this sixty three range. Mark it down. Sixty three points in that game. Okay. 
All right, we're locked in. I will. We'll do a, an update next week. On, and for uh, everyone who bets what I just said, I really apologize about your money. What if you? What if you swept it? <laughs> I would. I, I. I. would never do this again. I would yeah. never do this again because people would be like, "Oh, you were so good." I'm like, I made it up. I made it up completely. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, speaking of making it up, the Cult of Cult podcast is produced and edited by me. Brian Sabby and my co-host and director of social media is Gumby. You can follow the Cult of Cult podcast on Twitter at Cult of Cult, and that's all one word. We're also on Untapped at P. Stabby and at D. Cumberland Jr. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify by searching Hogshaven, a Washington football team podcast. We ask that if you like what you've heard, that you subscribe and rate us five stars. It does make a huge impact on our ability to reach new listeners. We know your listening time is valuable. We appreciate you taking your time to spend with us. Gumby, uh, thanks again. I think this was uh, another hour well spent talking about the Washington football team. Insanity. It really is. Uh, Thank you all for listening. And this was The Cult of Cult. Hold on. Ah, ba 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 ba. Da da.